Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore the high-impact topics driving our nation's state. Today's guests are Fred Busso and Rafi Nazarians from the American Association of Retired Persons, or AARP. They join us to discuss the critical issue of affordable housing for seniors and what Sacramento can do now to have an impact on this critical need. Fred and Rafi, thanks so much for being here today. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for having us. So everybody obviously has heard of AARP and I think has a sense of what the organization does. But Rafi, could you maybe give the listeners just a little bit of the history on exactly how the organization was founded and how it relates to the issue we're talking about here today? Sure. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be with uh, here with you today. So AARP was founded on the simple premise that no one should have to live in a chicken coop. Um, that's the shocking discovery of uh, our founder, Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus, discovered uh, one of her distinct, distinguished former teachers. Dr. Andrus was a principal at Lincoln High School in Los Angeles. And she discovered uh, one of her former teachers living in poverty in a chicken coop. Um, And that inspired her to organize the National Retired Teachers Association and subsequently AARP. And Dr. Andrus devoted the rest of her life to improving the quality of life uh, for for people as they age. Uh, Great. So I know you've been around for a long time. When was AARP founded? 1958. And to give the listeners a little bit of sense of the scope of what you focus on here in California, obviously huge national organization, one of the largest, but what, what's the typical scope of what you focus on in Sacramento? Well, I mean, we really focus on a number of issues because we, we, we have a a really sort of a, a, a national program uh, that is called livable communities. And, and within that program, within that umbrella of livable communities, we, we really take a look at issues revolving around long-term care, uh, which is obviously really important to uh, older adults, uh, healthcare in general, which call, also can include uh, you know, pharmaceutical issues. So uh, we've been uh, big proponents of, of lowering and, and controlling the costs of uh, uh, prescription drugs. Uh, housing falls under um, this this uh, umbrella as well, as does transportation, uh, public transit, safe streets. You know, these you've heard of these uh, Vision Zero programs across the country. We've been supportive of those types of things, uh, as um, you know. Unfortunately, older adults account for most of the people that that die as pedestrians on our streets uh, around the country, and that's it's the same in California. So, there's a number of issues that we look at. Uh, from year to year uh, in Sacramento, uh, but uh, that, that just gives you sort of an idea of some of them. Great. So we're going to focus on affordable housing today for seniors in particular. We've had a few guests on talking about different aspects of the housing debates, but I'm really glad you're here because we haven't zeroed in on this particular aspect and how it impacts seniors the most. So um, let me let me just start with asking you to give an overview of what this new housing report is that you've put out and how it can inform the discussion in Sacramento. Sure. So AARP California, we um, prioritize housing as as Fred said, uh, and over the last year, uh, we engaged practitioners and subject matter experts 
to better understand the impediments and solutions to California's housing crisis, as well as where AARP can position its resources and support to affect change. Um, this effort included off-the-record interviews with key stakeholders. Uh, we uh, met with folks such as mayors and state legislators. We uh, held listening sessions with groups from diverse housing-related disciplines. And no attributions were given during the research to ensure that uh, folks that participated uh, were able to share their thoughts freely. Uh, and all this research that we did culminated in the housing report, which is called the AARP California Listening Report, Rebuilding the Social Compact on Housing for All Californians. Um, and I'll give you just a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of uh, uh, points on uh, why we were involved in housing. You know, I'm, I mentioned early on how uh, AARP was founded, but at AARP, we believe that everyone needs a home, uh, which is why we continue to advocate for housing that is accessible, affordable, safe, and secure. And older adults in particular experience a range of housing problems that result from you know, a variety of things, including high housing costs, inaccessible home design features, disrepair and more. And these problems can reduce physical safety, they can increase isolation and prevent people from aging in their homes and communities. Really helpful background. So yeah, could you kind of walk us through what some of the key findings are in the report? Yeah, so I mean, based on the conversations that, that we had uh, as Rafi said, you know, we were really looking for honest feedback and we did receive some honest feedback, particularly as to where AARP could fit into this whole discussion, because as you know, it's um, it's a, a, you know, somewhat intractable problem here. And, and that was one of the things that, that we were hearing is that, you know, part of the issue is, is the idea that um, uh, so many people feel that there's nothing that can be done about it, right? The housing crisis. And so where, where could a, an organization like AARP fit into this this conversation. So there were really four points, uh, four focus areas that we're going to um, that we're going to have in terms of AARP strategy statewide. One is to amplify senior housing advocacy at the state level. Uh, the other one, a second one, is to target policies that advance senior housing while benefiting everybody. Uh, third, we're going to support AARP's members' voices uh, through advocacy and training. And the fourth one is we're going to um, promote the simplification of, of development, financing, and construction processes, which is a, a lot of organizations have, have been doing that, have been attempting to do it, uh, but we are now going to uh, join with other organizations in order to um, really hopefully get, get this, this, these types of, uh, this type of legislation over the goal line. So, so I'm curious after doing the report, what your take is on really the origins of the housing crisis in, in California. We've had different guests on who've, who've raised some sort of provocative theories. And one theory I heard is that California's laws on housing are really not worse than other states. It's just that we have seen such high population growth that supply has failed to keep up with demand. And so that has accentuated the problem in, in, a, in a dramatic way. 
Um, but then I've heard other people say, no, California is, is much worse. <laughs> we have all kinds of sequel issues and we have more intense NIMBY fights. Um, yeah, I'm curious after doing the research, how, how you come out on kind of what the origins of these problems are. Well, I think we heard we heard all of that. You know, again, like like I said, we had these uh, stakeholder interviews and these listening sessions with people, and really the um, opinions that we heard ran the gamut. Um, and that's why we, I think, we really decided to focus on rebuilding the social compact, which is um, in in the title. And you know, that refers to an implicit agreement between generations to share resources and support one another across different phases of life. So an example of that would be social security. That's based on a social compact. Those who are working now support those who can no longer work. And in California, there is a growing concern that the social compact around housing is broken. That's one of the major uh, findings that we had that the social compact around housing is broken. Specifically, that older Californians um, are um, protecting their own right to affordable housing and unmitigated rises in property values by not supporting or actively thwarting policies. So we're really looking at rebuilding that social compact so that, um, you know, housing for older adults, but for people of all ages as well. So, so what are the solutions? Um, sir, certainly appreciate your point that this is a social compact that needs to happen between generations, but but what are the practical things you'd like to see California do now to help change this issue? Well, I mean, one thing is, is particularly as it relates to um, senior housing, which which is something that, you know, we are going to be amplifying, uh, is, is, is a recognition that, that it's needed, is a recognition that we are aging as a state. And uh, so a lack of senior housing, if, if we don't start to change that, it is, it's just going to get worse as we move into the future. So just a recognition of, of the issue that we are aging as a society and um, the, the issues, that, the, the problems that can result uh, uh, because of that, if we don't do anything about housing our, our older, older Californians. And then, you know, the other thing is to support uh, legislation that is going to uh, streamline the processes for um, for local jurisdictions. Uh, so, so, some of what we heard from from our uh, from the entities and the individuals that we interviewed is that you know there there are there is a lot of confusion out there as to what the current rules are and or aren't, even when it comes to the statewide level. Uh, and how that applies to the local jurisdictions. So I think an example of, of how it can work is what we've seen with the uh, ADU legislation. You had um, pretty clear rules that have been laid out by the state at the uh, uh, regarding the development of ADUs. And, and as a result, you've seen an exponential increase in the number of uh, ADUs being built across the state. So I, I think it is possible if you could, if you look at the ADU legislation as, a, as an example, of how you can make it practical for local juris jurisdictions and then uh, you know, follow up with it and, and follow through on, on the statewide legislation to build more, more units. And, and we should define a ADU for our listeners quickly, so go ahead. Oh, uh, accessory dwelling unit. So, um, which used to be referred to as a, as a granny flat, you know, would be another term for it. 
Yeah, and just a little bit of more overview of what that legislation was in the last session, what it hoped to accomplish, the great, great context. Yeah, so I mean, there, so before there was comprehensive ADU legislation, you had a really just sort of, uh, you know, checkerboard approach across the state. Some some local jurisdictions were, you know, lenient if you wanted to build a, uh, an accessory dwell, uh, dwelling unit. Others would basically wouldn't allow it. So um, you, you had, so that what the state did is pass laws regarding, uh, you know, um, the, the, the maximum I don't know how much in the weeds you want to get into this, Brian. Like setbacks. Oh, sure. Well, we're we're a wonky. I've, I always until oh, okay. We're a wonky policy show. I, I do like to define <laughs> acronyms for them, but but get into the weeds, please. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Just so you know, uh, just sort of uh, you know, def, uh, limiting what what local jurisdictions could do in terms of of requiring setbacks uh, in backyards. Uh, you know, to to, to build an ADU. Um, uh, maximum coverage areas in, in, in on someone's property and um, uh, heights, uh, height limitations as well, uh, owner occupancy limitations. And so all of these things were being used by local jurisdictions to discourage, to discourage development of ADUs. And so the state uh, implemented some, some basic ground rules uh, so as to to uh, prohibit local jurisdictions from uh, uh, doing these things so that uh, people would be encouraged to actually build these accessory dwelling units. And uh, we've, seen, we've seen results. So, uh, you know, we're, we're a show about policy, but also politics. And I, I always find the affordable housing debate really interesting from a political perspective, because in some ways it's, um, people from very similar political stripes who might be for affordable housing, but then when it comes to issues in their own backyard, can, can tend to fight it. It's, it's sort of a weird issue where, you know, you might see like very progressive members of the legislature um, taking some positions at the municipal level that aren't consistent with their stance at the statewide level, which, which if, at least if you listen to most legislators these days, they claim to be for affordable housing solutions, but we don't seem to be making a lot of progress in Sacramento. And I'm curious as to your take on, you know, what, what the, what the sort of origins of the political obstacle are like, like who, who, who is fighting common sense, affordable housing solutions and what can we do to change that? As far as, uh, as far as who's, who's fighting it. I mean, that's a lot of what we heard of um, in, in our interviews and our, our listening sessions with folks as well. And for, for a variety of different reasons, a lot of people um, said to us that they, um, they thought that older adults were often an impediment to uh, building more housing. But really, you know, that's not the case um, because as one of our, one of the, under our livable communities tent that, uh, that Fred talked about, one of the things that we have is um, uh, called our network of age-friendly states and communities. And these are communities around the state. We have 53 members right now um, that, uh, that basically they um, and represent, they represent over half of the state's population and they made a commitment to improve livability for people of all ages in a variety of different domains including housing. And what a lot of these member jurisdictions are hearing from older adults and what, what we've heard from older adults 
all around the state is that um, they're really concerned because while there's a lot of older adults who may be housing secure, there are also a lot of older adults who are, who are not housing secure. And those who are, are really concerned now that their caregivers, their children, their grandchildren, their support networks are having to move out of state and go elsewhere because they can't afford to live near them. So we're seeing a lot of will from older adults that, um, that you know, they do want to support more affordable housing and the production of more housing. So we're, that's something we're really hearing a, a lot around the state. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I live in a community that's, that's had some notable affordable housing debates. And um, I, I wonder if what, when, when you're out talking to AARP members, if, if you get objections um, to, I mean, you, you did a great reporter that had a lot of provocative ideas on how to move the ball forward, but did you also hear people who were concerned about more housing being built and, and were, were taking the position that, you know, maybe it's something that the state needs, but that NIMBY attitude of maybe not in my community, is that something you ran into at all? I mean, not in the preparation of this report, we did not so much run in, run into that issue. Um, you know, in, in some of the work that I've done at the local level for AARP, sure, I've, I've heard some of that, um, but not in the prep, in the preparation of, uh, of the report. Yeah, and I would say I would say same here. You know, um, again, we've heard we've heard the gamut from AARP members and from from older adults, uh, but not specifically in in, prep, in, in uh, preparing this report. But on other issues that we've done around the state, we have heard from you know all stripes of people. Those that are wholly supportive of affordable housing, those that are uh, a little hesitant to support it, uh, and everything in between. So one of the predominant issues right now in Sacramento is just bandwidth and the amount of COVID-related, economic-related emergencies that the state's dealing with. And it's always an issue that comes up when, when we're talking about things that the legislature should do. The, the response is often, it's a really important topic, but we, we've got our place full this year with getting schools reopened and dealing with vaccine distribution and everything related to COVID. What's, what's your response to that when you, when you hear that from a policymaker who says, I hear you, but let's punt it down the road to when things calm down. I mean, we, we do hear some of that, but we also have heard from policymakers who have pointed to the pandemic as uh, an example of how you get things done. You know, during the beginning of the pandemic and as it was unfolding, um, a lot of things in housing that people said could never get done did get done. For example, Project Room Keys, one of the examples of that, uh, where uh, homeless folks and others were were housed in uh, underutilized motels and hotels. And things that people said that couldn't be done or that would take years, months, long, a long, long time to accomplish were, uh, were accomplished in a pretty short amount of time. So we're hearing both sides of that. And there's some some folks that are, are, are looking at the um, the speed at to which something's happened uh, as examples of yes we can get things done and one of the one of the big things that's happened as a result of the pandemic as everyone knows is uh, you know those folks who 
are weren't able to pay their rent or their their mortgage, uh, and you know who, whose housing is in a very precarious state right now. So I think that makes you know the pandemic has made housing all the more important to address right now, um, and we are hearing that from policymakers who are really taking the opportunity um, to, to, to help people on, on that front, but also because of that, to look at the housing is, issue in California writ large and try to address some of those systemic issues that have been built in for years and years. Yeah, you know, and, and then also let, let me add that I, I think that, uh, you know, this report and this recommendation really uh, you know, should be viewed in the context of the COVID-19 recovery recovery strategy, because and it's particularly when it relates to the social compact, because what we saw here was it was an example of the breakdown in that social compact. If you look at the number of people who have died in nursing homes, for example, that is a vivid example of how the social compact has broken down. And, um, you know, because a lot, uh, there are a lot of uh, older folks out there. There's a lot of people with AARP who feel that uh, people in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities were essentially forgotten and were left behind and uh, uh, and died as a result. And so this housing, not just our report, but just housing in general, you know, sort of reconstructing how we house and how we allow people to age in place. Uh, in their communities and in their homes or in an a or in a ADU uh, is part of of this whole strategy. You know, we, it's not just about housing. It really is about how do we um, allow folks to age with dignity in their own communities um, uh, as in, in, into the future. So I hope, I hope some folks can can look at this as uh, in, in that light as well. Yeah, well said. So. Um what you know it raises an important point what do you think sacramento's role is in this versus the state and local communities i mean do you know i, I assume the audience for this report is government officials at all levels uh, both state and, and municipal how do you how do you see that does sacramento need to to step in more because we've had so much sort of nimbyism and, and obstacles in, at the local level and do more streamlining? Or is this something that you primarily think should be left to municipal governments? I, I think I think it's a it's a combination, right? Uh, Fred talked a little earlier about the accessory dwelling unit legislation. And now over the last several years, there's been a number of different ADU um, pieces of legislation that have that have gotten through the legislature. And because of that, um, you know, local governments are um, allowing more ADs to be built and more California residents are taking advantage of the fact that they, they can do that. Whereas before there used to be a patchwork of different regulations. So definitely there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of room for the state to be involved um, and to, um, to clear things up on a number of different things, but the local governments are absolutely key. Uh, and again, I mentioned that we talked to several mayors uh, in the preparation for this report, um, and you know they um, they do the work sort of on the front lines, which is where the the, the local government comes in. But I think um, having the state uh, come in and provide uh, clarity and a framework. Uh, for local governments to go from is really important. Uh, so for 
people who want to get involved with AARP's work who maybe know, know the organization, read about it, but haven't been engaged in what you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you and find out more? One of the, one of the um, uh, recommendations of this report, um, as we said, is, is, uh, is uh, amplifying the, the member voice. And the and the voice of the 50 plus. So uh, folks can always go on our on our website. Uh, people can contact Fred or I if this is an issue that they're really uh, passionate about and, and, and interested in being involved with. And we're happy to to talk to them and see where that goes. Great. Well, thanks so much for the time, guys. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks for what you're doing. Um, hugely important issue. And I'm, I'm hoping this is a year that we finally start to tackle some of these things. And yes, as, as you say, uh, make, make sure that out of this crisis, we're at least using it to accomplish some really important policy goals that we've been talking about for a long time. So thanks for everything you're doing. And thanks, Thank you, Brian. Brad. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producer is Hannah Miller. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. For more information, you can find us on Facebook at Nation State of Play.